0: Hello and welcome to the Where We Left Off podcast. I am your host, Austin Gall. Without my co-host, Tommy Hamlin today, the two of us have been working together for more than 10 years in the music industry. From managing a DIY venue to traveling mid- the Midwest throwing parties, we've met some interesting people along the way. This podcast is dedicated to conversations with artists and road dogs that we've formed friendships with and see time and time again. We pick up where we left off, so a little bit different feel for today. I'm doing the episode by myself without Tommy, so I can't ask him the question of how you doing over there in Colorado Tommy because just uh, it doesn't apply today. Um but I'll give you an update on what Tommy's doing. He's uh he's been finding some work transporting art between uh Colorado and Nebraska while working on his airstream so which will soon be his new home. So <laughs> he's been a bit busy and sadly cannot join us today. I on the other hand have been nothing but bored. It started to snow here in St. Louis and uh it almost has snowed every day I think since Saturday. So that's what's up with me. I'm trying to not to leave the house because I fucking hate the snow. It has really thrown my, my workout routine for a complete wrench because I've been trying to get in shape, but I digress. But we've got a really good uh, episode lined up for today. My friend Jay Webster from Unity, Texas in Emo Night, Texas is going to be joining me here shortly. Jay is someone who I've known only for a few years now. I don't think uh, we have a ton of history with him, but nonetheless, he's a great guy doing some insane shit. I was introduced to his band through my work with Third Stream Productions, which is based in Dallas, where the band is technically located, at Fort Worth, Dallas. Technically the same thing in my mind, so it's the same area. They're always, they've always been popping up as a local opener on these huge shows that we would throw in Dallas in the Dallas area. I checked them out, loved what I heard. I've been a huge fan ever since. you know. But Jay, Jay, Jay and I share the same unique pleasure of also being... Emo night la host in our respective regions as you know because i mentioned a lot on on the podcast all the time i love Emo night i've poured a bunch of myself into that brand the last several years so we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well so let's not waste any more time let's get jay onto the show jay how are you doing man thanks for taking the time to talk today
1: doing fantastic man thanks for having me on this it's real nice to be able to talk to people within you know like my little corner of uh the fun and party industry <laughs>
0: dude. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because I, I I was trying to rack my brain for how long I've known you. I think we met last summer. So or yeah. I guess it wasn't, tw- I guess it wasn't 2020, you know, it was 2019. Um, so, you know, we don't have a ton of history like, together, but I feel like I've known <laughs> yeah. you for a long time because we're into the same shit and like the energy and like the vibe is like all there. So good yeah. to see your face, man. I know we talked the other day, but it's really good. Like you said, man, it's really just good to like get, face-to-face with your peers even though you're not face-to-face just to kind of get some social (laughs) some social equity back in our lives I guess you could say
1: yeah absolutely man it's it's been rough without the everyday interaction or like even just like the weekly interaction stuff and you know a lot of people have dealt with you know the loss of like connection with like their friends and like just really just feeling confident about even being a human being it's wild
0: yeah Yeah. it's i was actually thinking about it this morning like in my own in my own life like i've been social isolation is super real and like mixed with you know seasonal depression it it has been it's been a hell of a ride the last couple weeks trying to like figure out how to motivate myself to do anything Cause I just, I, I don't feel like I have any dry, not to start this episode off on a super sour note, but it just, it just feels like that, that seasonal depression mixed with like the COVID social isolation has just been fucking brutal this year.
1: Yeah. It's literally like those memes of people getting jumped and like every person around them is like a different <laughs> type of something adding into it. That's exactly what this all feels like. <laughs>
0: it's it's over it's overwhelming dude like it and that's exactly how those memes look it's just like there's too much shit going on here <laughs> like it totally makes and the, the meme is 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 pretty straight on but nonetheless i hope uh, i hope you're doing good out there man but the last time we saw each other like i said was in la you had just gotten signed to pure noise i think you were out there having meetings and shit like prior to all of that being announced we were able to connect at the airbnb i was staying at the hills we came out for the uh the ghost inside comeback show and i think we both did emo night that weekend that we were there, but you know, I just gotta state off the top of this yeah. podcast how proud I am of you, man. Like y'all are y'all were doing something so different in the hardcore and metalcore scene and doing it so well. The blend of hip hop and hardcore is such a hard thing to pull off, but you guys are literally one of the only bands out there that I think are doing it the right way. Yeah, I mean, Thanks, if, you, if you haven't heard Unity TX, definitely make it a note to go listen to them after this podcast is over. Um, but so let's talk about it, man. Your journey in Unity has been has been crazy. I mean, how long have you been grinding this band to get it to the point where you got attention from Pure Noise, one of my favorite record labels of all time? Just kind of give us the short version of how you started the band and where you are now.
1: Uh, I started the band back in, like, well, I used to play in, like, fill in for bands back way back in the day, like 2012, 2013. But in 2013, um, me and one of my friends who would always fill in for bands, we were like, yeah, we should start a project, like a side project and just like make it like heavy and just, you know, we just want to see our homies just, you know, fight and you know, beat each other's ass and shit. And it, was, <laughs> it was cool at the time. We just wanted to play heavy music and that's what it was going to be. And I played guitar the whole time, but I was like, I'll do vocals, but I'll still write the instrumentals and stuff. And like, it kind of became my project and my idea because I was just like, you know, nobody else is really as serious about this as I am, because I just wanted to actually, you know, do vocals for a band. You know, I always did guest vocals for years, but I did that. And we played our first show in 2014, Third String uh, put us on this uh, release show for Indirections and stuff. And like we played, came out the same way we've been coming out and everyone's jaw dropped. And like, they were like, yo, Yo, I was not expecting that. And, like, we we were just, like, I literally, I was not expecting to take it serious. I just wanted to just get mad for a set. Yeah. And, yeah, and, like, I literally started to set off with saying we came to steal your girl. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, can you expect oh. something like that to even get to this point? Like, right. that's just. How it was. It was like we just wanted to have fun. And it's like after a while, I started to notice the potential of it because it was like, as much as like I wanted it to be a joke band, I still kind of wanted to like, you know, do something with music and stuff. But we still kept like the whole like funny imagery and everything. It's just more the more and more we started to get noticed by like bigger bands and stuff. Like Issues was like the first band that like really like, well, we recorded our first songs with uh been from Crowny Empire. So Crowny Empire was on our, our stuff before it even got released. Right, And then um, Issues had found out about it. And then that was like one of my favorite bands around that time, literally like top favorite band. And I lost my shit, dude. So like, yeah, it's wild just like climbing that ladder. Like I could go for hours and hours about how insane it is to like I was just sitting in the back of my grandma's room or grandma's uh, house like writing these demos and then bringing it to my friends, like let's play it live. And I get on stage and I just, you know, just scream and and say, fuck you and tell everyone to get hype. And that was it. That, That was all that worked.
0: Right. And I feel like what I hear from people around the touring circuit quite a bit when they talk about your band is how intense your live show is, because this music that, you know, this blend of like hip hop and, you know, hardcore is it translates really well to the live live scene. You know what I mean? Like you, you really the production on it can be really tight. It can sound really heavy. But what you need is a good vocalist. And what I hear all the time from people who talk about your band is how crazy your vocals are live, how full they are and how powerful they are. That's what I think makes your band, and I think that's what catches people at people's attention. Because I've heard a bajillion people talk about your band, and the thing that I that I always hear about your live show specifically is how crazy your vocals are live with the, with the caveat that you also are a great lead, man. <laughs> like you are, yeah. I mean, you. I, I've never seen you guys live, but I've watched a ton of live videos and like, I, I can see your energy that you bring to some of these rooms. I think it really knocks people on the floor when, when they're coming out to a show and watching the local opener, like, show up the first like three bands you know you start to, to <laughs> you know what i mean like it's, it, it starts to like it starts to rub off on like you know people who are like playing the on those tours and dude it, people talk about it like it's crazy that's how i learned about you guys essentially you know other than like meeting you through like emo night that's that's kind of how i like i learned about unity
1: yeah i mean dude it's it's been crazy all these years like you know as much as like everyone in a band who like plays music and stuff like plays for like their favorite bands and stuff and like they're like i hope they're impressed by us whatever i don't give a fuck i just like i'm just like bro i'm I'm here to connect with the people i'm here to turn up because i want a good set for myself
0: fuck yeah yeah and that's what i think i think a lot of people lose sight behind that too it's not like it's not like you're some like huge fucking superstar doing like you know, we do like emo nights, we play like hardcore shows, we came from like, like playing floor shows, and just like in a room of like 50 people beating the shit out of each other before we yeah. were ever like on stages like that, you know what I mean? But I think yeah. that gets lost in translation sometimes. But I mean, when you're in like a DIY band like that, that's kind of, you know, and you evolve to, you know, playing on those big stages, those are the kind of like attitudes that you have to, that, or the perception that you have. But in terms of DIY touring, because I know you guys have done quite a bit, can you talk a little bit about how much of a grind it was to kind of get unity off the ground and tour nationally DIY style,
1: bro. I'm going to be dead serious with you. We did not tour that much. Like we did a tour in 2014. That was like our first tour. And we did like five, six days. It was with Oceano lessons, seconds of life. I declare war all of those bands. And then, um, 2015, we were supposed to do like a tour with like all of our friends and stuff and then that failed and then at the end of that year everyone left my band and I got a whole different lineup in 2016. We toured with Body Snatcher for like maybe like 10 to 12 days and we went through Florida and came to Texas and then 2017 we did three weeks with Sabella in the summer and then we did like maybe like a few days with castaway towards the end of the year and then we did like a few days with spite so we as a band collectively we've probably done under 10 or 12 tours right right
0: and, and it's and, and that last tour that you guys did was arguably your biggest with spite right yeah dude i <laughs> fuck
1: uh it, literally that whole fucking tour was like unreal like every night was sold out all the fucking kids didn't know us and then the moment we came on stage and we started playing every fucking person in the room was off their feet i know like, dude
0: i i saw videos of it of like every night on tour i would have like somebody else on that tour posting like a video of you like turning up and like the whole crowd just like the whole front part of the crowd just like bouncing with you. you're like out in the crowd like really like that's what i'm saying like when i mentioned like you know people like turning heads i mean like that should turn heads, you know what I mean? Like people really like were catching like attention of you guys. It was crazy. I mean, so like I said, you guys were killing it like pre pandemic. You were about to start the tour with like the Amity Affliction and Sleeping with Sirens coming off that that cool run with Spite, um, you know, on the West Coast, which was gonna be. I mean, this was gonna be huge for your band, obviously the biggest tour that you guys would have done today, But shit, fucking of course, hit the fan in terms of the pandemic, and you shit guys hit
1: the fan while we were out.
0: Yeah, you guys were about to start a <laughs> tour in Europe. Those those shows ended up getting canned and um you ended dude. up on a hell of a journey trying to get home so talk one, a little, talk a little bit show. about it yeah talk a little bit about uh watching the pandemic start while you were across the world and talk about your journey home so i want to hear all of it
1: dude all right so yeah literally no one's like really asked this but it's just like it's crazy because like obviously i had already felt weary about the tour in january because of everything that was happening right and the tour like didn't really get announced or anything until like February, like mid late February. And like that's like three weeks before like everything's supposed to go down. But these nuts is that good enough to pack a whole fucking place out, you know? So like we were good. We were set. So we announced the tour. I still felt weary. We flew over there. We didn't wear masks, obviously, because like masks weren't, you know, a thing.
0: Yeah. Right. But I mean, at at that time, I think they were saying that we didn't need to wear them. So
1: yeah. Yeah. It wasn't mandated or anything. And it's, it's crazy because it's like, That's when the pandemic started. I was internationally coming back from a whole different country surrounded by so many fucking people going through so much shit, all of this. And luckily, I did not come across it. I I did not get it, you know. And on top of that, like it was like a nightmare because like we played one show. We loaded up our tour bus and it was a fucking pain in the ass to load that, load that tour bus. It's almost like a blessing in disguise that we like <laughs> had this pandemic. God damn. But uh, seriously, like we loaded everything up. We went to shower at like a flat or like this apartment, like maybe like a mile away. And it was late. It was probably, I want to say like 11, 30, midnight or something like that. So we were like, all right, it's getting late. Let's just get our showers in and let's get back to the bus. Dude, we got out the showers and we were walking back, and like everyone's phones started blowing up. And we were like, What? And like, people are like, Are you okay? Are you okay? What? And I was like, What? And they were like, Well, Trump just announced that like we're in a pandemic or like state of emergency. We're in a pandemic and everything, and he's shutting down the borders. Are you going to be okay? And I was like, What the fuck are you talking about? It's like, They're shutting down the borders. And literally, everyone around me were just like, Like all the foreigners that we knew who were from Europe looked at us and they were like, oh fuck, you gotta get home. And we were like, yo, what the fuck? So then we start calling our manager and everything, but everyone's blowing us up, trying to ask if we're okay, trying to check on us. So I'm like, bitch, we're trying to get home. Like, you know, stop blowing the phone up right now. I checked the flights. I look at how much the flights were. It went from 800 per person to $17,000 per person.
0: Holy shit.
1: 17 like 17k 17k oh i fucking i wish i had a screenshot i feel like i feel like if i look deep enough i could find a screenshot of it but it was so fucked up and i was like dude this is surreal this is like maddening this feels so like dude and like it's such it's such a heartbreaking experience too because like walking back like Dude, we're in fucking Germany, right down the street from the skate park that we played at, or right down the street from the venue we played at was a skate park with posters for our fucking show posted all over the skate park. Like, you know how fucking, like, titan surreal that fucking feels to just know that, like, oh, my band was, like, you know, put out there, like, really put out there. People are really ready to, like, fucking receive us and, like, take everything in and stuff. And then the pandemic happened. And then, like, we're trying to get back home and, like our flights are scheduled for 16 days later and we can't change them because all the phone lines are tapped and stuff because everyone's like all calling in trying to get back home and everything. And then everyone in Europe wants us to pay an extra three grand per person or whatever to like get a flight back. And it's like, it was hell, dude. It was so bad. The, uh, one of the guys, or we waited in line for a long time whenever we had got there, cause we had already missed our first flight. And then we got second flight, the noise gave us money for, and we missed that one too, because our taxi driver and our bus driver wouldn't actually work with us or like, you know, it's like, we were just kind of like, we're not from here, we need to get back. And we weren't telling them the speed, but we were like, we're on time crunch real hard. And they just didn't give a fuck. And actually the taxi driver finessed me for a lot of money too. I was pretty pissed. So, Jesus dude. Jesus Christ. Dude, yeah. It was like, talk about being like fucking robbed. And it's like, you know, we're just a small ass fucking band from Dallas, Texas. You know, like we just got signed a few months before then. We lucked out by like getting really good fucking people on our team to where we could afford to make it to Europe and everything. We saved up so much money. We did all this fucking shit and everything. Got sent over there. We played one show and had to leave everyone's gear there and come straight back with like, negative money in our pockets like i'm sure that like my bandmates still haven't recovered it from it because like one of them had to get his visa done and the guy took his sweet time so he missed a flight and he had to stay in germany for another day so he had to rent an on-the-spot hotel right next to the airport so like it's just money 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 like we got ripped dude we got ripped so hard
0: has your okay so here's another question has your gear made it back home yet
1: no our gear is we literally it's just in europe Europe, somewhere in europe like i haven't seen a goddamn piece of it like maybe we saw like maybe a month after the pandemic started but it's just like dude it's almost been a year it's seriously almost been a year what's today's
0: date uh it is february 9th
1: yeah it's literally almost been a year and it's like fucked
0: that's so crazy (laughs) that that is that's the craziest story that i've heard since the pandemic started that's nuts well i mean let's let's kind of let's talk let's talk about this because you kind of had a little bit of emotion behind it and i kind of want to ask you about it but i mean we talked a little bit about it the other day when we joined up for an instagram live session but how are you dealing with it mentally having to be on pause to the pandemic right now right as your band was getting their first take for lack of a better phrase major success i mean you talk about that moment when you were in Germany you know, walking past that skate park with your shit being put on, you know, uh, all over, you know, all over the place. I mean, how are you dealing with that mentally, you know?
1: I mean, dude, I mean, like the pandemic has done a lot of things to me. And like, honestly, that, that has broken me. And it's like, I feel, I feel really shitty about, you know, being not so much jealous, I mean, I guess you could say jealous, but more like envious of people who are still maintaining, like, you know, still being able to link up with their band and like, you know, riff and write shit or go to the studio and like record, or even, you know, just like do anything. Like, dude, we finally linked as a four-piece unit yesterday after eleven months. Yeah. You know, so it's like we haven't been able to do a goddamn thing as a band. And it like it it hurts because I just want to write music, you know, like, I was in, I was also, you know, like, I'm coming out of this pandemic, like, with way less than I came into it with. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty much that, uh, and I say a lot of the times, like, I'm surprised I haven't done anything that hurt myself or whatever, but it's like, you know, there's really no point. This is out of my control, you know, and I don't like to, I don't like to think that, (laughs) <laughs> things that are out of my control have its, you know, weight and consequence on my life, you know?
0: Right, right. <clears throat> and a lot, and I, hear that, I hear a similar, not the exact same story because we all have different ways that we feel and we all have different stories. But I hear a similar story when I talk to a lot of my friends that have been in the music industry and doing this shit for a long time. Because if you think about it, you know, I mean, since, I mean, for me personally, since I was like 14 years old, all, the, all I've ever done is music. It's all I've ever had is live music, going to shows, going to mosh when I was a kid. You know, growing up and being a promoter, transitioning into emo night, like that's all I fucking did for you know half of my life. And it's hard to you know I, what I hear is like it's it's fucking hard to just like to find something else, you know. And it, it's hard. To, and I was talking to my fr- Tommy the other day, who I co-host this podcast with. You know, it's kind of like you're watching everybody else maintain some sort of their livelihood of like their hobbies or like their jobs that like make them happy and shit like that but like people in like the live music industry and like live event industry have been pretty much just been told to take their ball and go home you know like it's yeah uh, dude it's such a it's and i don't want to and look obviously there are people that have it way harder than i have it and probably harder than most of us have it in the music industry but i mean that does not diminish (laughs) that does not diminish all of the problems that we have had to deal with the past year you know like and it it hurts to hear all these stories man it hurts to hear like you being sad it hurts to hear like all of my team from emo night being sad you know all the venues that we work with across you know the entire midwest like everybody is just like so fucking far down right now and it's gonna be it be so long until we have it back, you know. Like, I, yeah. I mean, and I don't want to like get on this huge COVID kick because I feel like we do it almost every other podcast. But true, man, it's it's crazy that this is. I never would have thought a year from now when shit was like everybody was like all of my friends were like fucking finally getting like a taste of that success and now it's all just like gone, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, man, it's it's like <laughs> it's a lot to take in. It's like you, you find out that you're not so worthy of the music industry coming up this whole entire time. And then you finally get that go. And then you finally get that go. And then the world completely shuts down. And then during the world being shut down, you know, people who resemble you to some other people or may just have the same skin tone are getting killed simply because people just don't like them. So then you feel like you're inadequate of being even just human. So then it makes another weight that bears upon you. And it's just like this whole entire pandemic has been such a heavy weight. And it's not like I want to make it based off of being only a person of color, but it's just like, dude, like (laughs) a lot of things that (laughs) like I had to go out and do that kept me from being in my head and thinking about shit like this, it's just like resurfacing so fucking bad. and it's just it's unbearable dude it's unbearable but i stick to the music i try to write about shit i try to motivate people to do things on via social media and like you know like of course me as a vocalist of like a heavy band or whatever soundcloud rapper whatever they want to call me if they think that i'm corny for like posting like you know more upbeat content then it's like whatever dude like I, I really wish that people that I looked up to, you know, back in the day that were, like, singers of my favorite bands would, like, do cool things. Like, you know how, like, Brendon Urie did, like, the what was it positive hardcore yeah. thing or whatever? Right. It's just, like, engaging with your fans, engaging with your supporters and, like, someone on a song, you know? Because, yeah. like, I, I talk about this show all the time. Like, you know, like, I love Armor for Sleep to Death, but, like, Ben Jorgensen will literally not respond to me whatsoever. Yeah, and,
0: he's a he's an odd he's an odd dude.
1: That he's guy. a great guy. He's yeah. a great guy, you know, for what I can see and stuff. But it's just like I mean, he's probably weirded out because my name is Basement Ghost or whatever. But I'm right. like, I just like talking to him. You know, like I talk to a lot of my favorite seekers. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> well let's talk let's talk a little bit let's wrap up on this unity texas thing here i mean you you said that you got together with the dudes this weekend i mean are you guys writing new music what's what's next for unity after the pandemic obviously playing shows and like getting back into things but you know what's what's the current haps with with your mans uh
1: well we we're doing five songs uh we did two rap songs we did two heaviest fuck songs, they're incredible. And then we're doing one cover song by ourselves. Like the cover song is, it's just a cover song. You know, I don't fucking, I don't fuck with covers. I don't, I don't like doing covers whatsoever because I like writing original music unless I can make a cover sound really good, but I'd rather just remix it, you know? Mm. Um, But yeah, we're doing a pretty sick cover. It sounds cool already. Um, I'm just waiting for my bandmate to send me like some more mixes, and then I sent it to one of my friends because it's, it's like, I'm, I'm doing a spot, and then I sent it to my home girl, and she's also a very powerful, you know, black vocalist who used to be in like a really shreddy like grindcore band. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so we're doing a collaboration for uh for some shit, and it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fucking fire. Um, I can't wait for it to be, like, you know, come all together and stuff because I'm really trying to change the game up for everybody. You know, I feel like it's been stale for too long.
0: Well, I definitely think you're bringing something new, like, into the scene. You know what I mean? And, like, I guess this last question kind of ties in with that. Like, you know, since you guys blend two extremely different sounding types of music, do you get haggled a lot by crowds when you play, like, a spot on a show that might be more metal than anything else?
1: No, <laughs> I, I, would, I would fucking I would literally shit talk every single person in the crowd <laughs> if they tried to say anything crooked about anything about our music. I I let these kids know from the very beginning that they are welcome into this space. And if you don't like it, then you can absolutely leave. Hell like, yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. up to everyone's up to everyone's liking, you know, like and I, I say it like all the time. Like it, it's not like it's, it's not like I'm trying to like talk shit. I'm like, yo, this is fucking rock music. If you fuck with this shit, thank you. If you don't fuck with this shit, either stand your ass in the back or go outside, you know. (laughs) Because it's like, bro, don't be wasting space. If you know this shit is tight as fuck and you don't want to move to it, give 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 the space to somebody else who fucking will fucking do like a cartwheel or something like that. I don't know. Like, I want people going straight bananas in my shit, bro. Like, it's wild because, like, I really love the fact that, like, since we're in this little small corner, I can act like a total ass on stage and nobody say (laughs) shit.
0: The the first time that Unity Texas plays after the pandemic, I'm gonna come and I'm literally going to stage dive all over everybody in the front Uh, row. So count count
1: I hope that like I seriously hope every fucking brittle fucking broken bone in my body that we just blow up massively before it so I can afford a good like health specialist or something like that. Because every time (laughs) I walk now my knees, my bones, everything pops like yeah
0: yeah my shit's getting bad too man my knees i've been i've been trying to run though a little bit i think i mentioned that at the top of the podcast in my intro that i've been like running but i yeah uh, yeah, my knees are all fucked up now and like i feel it even more when i run so thank you hardcore for that i'll always i'll always have the always have the memory of hardcore (laughs) in in my kneecaps but like i mean also like i said at the top of the episode we share something really unique between us you know, and the fact that we are both Emo Night hosts in our respective regions. Obviously, Jay's in Texas, so he goes to a lot of places in Texas, and I am in the Midwest. But we also share the fact that we are incredibly into hardcore music, and there are a ton of gatekeeping buttholes out there that like to say something about a hardcore kid hosting Emo Night. So let's get in and talk about this a little bit. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> when you're available, you're hosting shows in Texas with Orlando and his team, Dallas, yeah. Austin, Houston, San Antonio, San Marcos. Am I missing any?
1: That it? Um, yeah, I don't know. You probably aren't. We've, I feel like we've done five. <laughs> we've done like Dallas, Austin, Houston, San Antonio, San Marcos.
0: I'm jealous of that because your drives are a lot shorter than the ones that we have to make here in the Midwest. But I mean, how much, do you, how much fun do you have doing those shows over the last couple of years? It's been a nice change of pace for me in terms of like attending shows and booking shows. Because it's something completely different than what I've been doing like the past like 10 years. You know, when I was a kid, I would really just like I would go to any show I possibly could and just listen for a breakdown and then just like start swinging on people, you know. So it's like it's a real nice change of pace to not be doing that anymore now that I'm like almost in my 30s, you know. But I mean, how do you how do you enjoy, uh, you know, traveling around and doing that stuff?
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it because it, it helps me. I mean, obviously, I want to be an MC. you know, so like, yeah it helps me a lot more with like being an MC. Like I can, I can rock a crowd. I can host a party, you know? And the thing is, is like, when I'm there, the whole fucking room is turned up. And obviously the attention is on me in Orlando and you know, anything I say, they'll do. We did a human pyramid in the pit and people circle pit around them. Like, you know, right. like I've I've played shit and I'm like, all right, everyone, So find a partner and just dance with a random person. Next thing you know, the whole entire crowd is dancing with each other. You know, like the fact that you can like, like maneuver a crowd the way that like you can with Emo Night, it makes it so much more bearable than dealing with like hardcore kids. Because like, you know, it wasn't until last year whenever I was like, you know, jump, 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 jump or whatever, you know, like I would do it a little more back in the day, but it wasn't like at the like, you know, the DIY hardcore shows where I know those heads would be at. But like, since I've gotten more deeper into like Emo Night and hosting bigger crowds and like having more engagement with like not so standoffish, snobby ass hardcore kids, like I can genuinely come as a person rocking the mic and engage with people. And I'm like, hey, I hope y'all having a good time tonight because I'm having a fucking dope ass time. And thank y'all for being here. A lot of people don't really get a chance to say shit like that because they're so caught up in being angry or being assertive or aggressive, putting on the front for the mic or whatever. But I'm like, bro, we're here for a fucking party. We're here to turn up, whether it's live music or whether it's fucking, you know, someone pressing space bar. It's still fucking music. It's motion, you know? I yeah, I, 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 yeah,
0: I I, totally agree, man. It's, it's, it's fun just to, like, be in, like, a supportive environment like that versus, like, an environment where I feel like everyone's judging me all the time. You know what I mean? Like, and not to say that hardcore is inherently judgy, but it's kind of inherently judgy. <laughs> you know, so, it's, it's
1: just very clicky. It's super yeah. clicky, especially with people who like, you know. And it's it's not like because it's like meant to be like that. It's just like everyone's all got the same as like you know mentality and attitude. Like they've been fucked over by somebody. They feel some anger, or you know, they've been hurt by somebody, or you know, they think that they don't like this and this person reminds them of that or whatever. It's just like, you know, being like a a misfit, you know, if you will. And it's completely fine. I don't like normalize that kind of mindset whatsoever. I'm trying to be more positive about it. But it's like, you know, that's just how it is when you go into like the hardcore or just even just like the like aggressive music circle. People are going to be a little more tense about every single thing, you know? Yeah, for
0: sure. And growing up in there, I think it's kind of translated a little bit in my, uh, I've let most of that go, you know what I mean? But I feel like I still have some of those tendencies even in my thirties where I feel like I'm just kind of like, pissed off about everything but i mean for for me specifically i remember like being in high school and really towing the line between like those two communities like a whole lot like specifically i remember seeing like bayside and halifax at like my local venue in omaha it's local underground once and then literally sprinting down the street to go to like a local diy venue to see like x looking forward x and rhinoceros you know what i mean so i mean i was I, i i loved going I love doing both equal. You know what I mean? I loved hardcore and I loved, you know, emo music and like pop punk and shit like that, both because those two communities were, they have a lot of similarity. You know what I mean? But I I overall think like the emo community is a little bit more welcoming and supportive. You know, the hardcore community is firm and like really supportive of like social justice, racial justice, things like that. But like, it's it's still inherently kind of a judgy place but i mean did you do the same things when you were in high school i mean like would you like go to like a pop punk show and then like immediately leave and go like find a show where you could just like bust a couple people in the face like during a breakdown
1: i mean dallas didn't really supply that many like close shows like that but when there was other shows down the street yeah we would definitely pull up yeah you know and it was it was always like you know it'd be like i'd go see Whatever metalcore band or deathcore band or whatever, like here. And then I'll go down the street and I'll watch Death Heaven at trees or something like that, you know?
0: Yeah, right.
1: Or, you know, if there was like, cause like pop punk bands or like bands like that don't really like pop out that much or whatever. They just like, they just kind of have big shows, I feel. So, like, whenever you do hear about like a DIY pop punk show or anything like that, it's like, it's in Dallas, it's so like tight knit. Like, everybody has their little circle and stuff because, like, everyone's kind of dickholes about everything whenever it comes to, like, you know, their little, like, genre circle and stuff because it's like, oh, safe space for us. Like, you can't come in here trying to, you know, be an asshole or anything like that, which is completely understandable. It's just, right you won't see very many kids going from a heavy show to a pop punk show or vice versa.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we could talk about communities here for a second, but I think the emo night community is extremely supportive of each other. And I'm sure that translates across the regions that we all work out of. But for me, I mean, like they're my family. I see them on the weekends, they become friends. They've opened their homes to me to sleep on their floors. They bring gifts. It's fucking actually kind of insane. Like, yeah, the amount of support that's there. But can I mean, can you talk a little bit about what you see in this community that maybe some other community and scenes in terms of genres of music don't have?
1: Most important factor is like everyone's shameless. Yeah. Every, really yeah. shameless, dude. Like, dude, like I fucking feel in myself. You know, I'll be on stage. I'll be fucking doing Fortnite dances and shit. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, like it's fun. It's great. It helps you feel free and alive because whenever you go to those other spaces, you're being judged by every single person around you. Why? Because they're insecure because they can't feel that happy. They feel like they can't really like, you know, do things like that and still feel like their average self. You know, but that's just a different part of yourself. Emo night evokes a part of us, you know, in ourselves that like we don't really get a chance to tap into. It's not like it's like we're being kids or anything. It's just nostalgic, you know. We didn't get a chance to really fully enjoy that in this element, so it's like here we are. But a lot of other people they take it overboard and stuff and. It gets too crazy. You see the same drinking at hardcore shows or metalcore shows and emo night and stuff or whatever. But I think it's just the shamelessness and the community value as far as everything when it comes to like the embarrassing things where it's like people are still on the fucking ground doing the fucking rowboat shit, you know? Or yeah. like, you know, people are doing things where they're like, for other people, sorry, I got some. eye. Right. For other people, it's like they're push moshing And I'm like, bro, I highly encourage that. I encourage circle pitting. I encourage all that fucking shit because it's like, that's a part of the culture.
0: Yeah, I I imagine it like if we were at a club, I would still probably like a club club and like a fucking song came on. And like, I mean, that's just how you like party that kind of music, you know, like, like have a circle pit, like, you know, like. Uh, Hip hop music is meant to be mostly listened to, like in the clubs. So, like, what do you do when you're at the club? You like get bottle service and like grind on, (laughs) you know, like do shit that you do at a club. So, like, I'm totally with you, totally with you. But like, the gatekeeping factor from the hardcore community is something that I think we've both experienced in one way or another. I mean, I've dealt with a ton of trash talk from people saying that emo night is a gimmick and that we're only out here to make a bunch of money, which is some sort of weird made up fantasy that one of us is some rich person banking off this DJ party because it's not the case. But uh, yeah, it's I mean,
1: almost like people just can't have fun and be human beings.
0: Yeah, I mean, from your standpoint, what kind of, <laughs> I mean, from your standpoint, what kind of shit have you had to deal with in terms of people trying to gatekeep, gatekeep you from like hardcore and like emo night?
1: Dude, so fucking stupid, dude. Like people I fucking grew up with, playing shows with, playing shows with, yeah, people who are volando Orlando has booked on shows, talking trash about emo night, making jokes about it, and it's like, bro. Why are you upset? Obviously, you know, we're just doing this because it's like, cool. It's a party and stuff. You can pull up to this and feel more comfortable than you would going to a rap show or a EDM party or something like that. But you still want to talk shit about the people who are creating the space based off of the things that you grew up on. It's so goofy. It's so wacky. And every single person I see who talks trash about it, I'm like, why are you talking trash about my shit? I grew up supporting you. You grew up supporting me, you know, like you, you fucked with my band when I was in a heavy band, right? You know, I'm still in a band, right? You don't fuck with that because why? Oh, because it's not traditional to what you know from music or whatever. So you're just going to shit talk it because you don't understand it. That's literally it. All hardcore kids are just confused. They're just like, you know, obviously misfits confused about every single thing. And they just talk shit about things that they don't understand. And then they act like the whole entire world hates them. But it's like, dude, literally, if you take off that, hoodie or that blanket that you have over your head that makes you feel like you can't see this shit you just realize that people are just moving in life and you're the only one that's staying stuck on this shit you're the only one thinking that like whatever you have going on in your life or what you know whatever matters the most whenever people even get close to just what you know it's stupid the elitism is terrible
0: yeah and it's (laughs) i totally have experienced the same things too because it's usually the Usually the people that talk the most shit are the people that I've stuck my neck out for the most. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I've booked them on shows and I've helped them, you know, get shows in different regions. And then I log on Twitter and then like there's this whole man, if I caught myself dead at emo night on an Instagram story like this guy did, I'd kill myself. It's just like, dude, what like how unhappy with your life do you have to be to like gatekeep that far that you say that you'll kill yourself. You know what I mean? Like, it was actual so- something that I would, that that I've come across before, you know? Like, and the other thing for me is like, when people, you know, I've had people just up and drop me out of their lives because I, th- I think they're embarrassed for me because I do emo night, which I think is is incredibly insulting. You know what I mean? It's not like, like, I'm, cho- I'm choosing to do this, you know? And if you would just like come out and experience it once, it might not be for you, but you could see like, there's 600 people or 1,000 people or 1,200 people in this room that are like having the best nights of their lives. You know what I mean? Like when people come up to me after shows or after parties, I always call it a show. It's a party. It's not, it's not a show. It
1: can be whatever you want yeah. because there's so many different elements put it. You're right. One. You're
0: right. You're right. But when people come up to me after like the event takes place and then they're like, man, this is some of the most fun that I've had in like five years. I mean, like you have to like pay attention to like emo- the emotional factor of that, you know, like being able to bring an event that means something like that to a a mass group of people, like you're obviously doing something like worth that has value behind it. You know what I mean? And like, that's the thing that's always gotten me. It's like, I'm not out here. Like, throwing some weird party just to like make money, you know, it's not even a weird party. It's just something that we do. You know, I, I don't, I I don't understand the amount of gatekeeping that comes along with everything in our alternative culture. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like not just an emo night and hardcore, but like, there's so many different types of, of, that takes place, you know, within alternative music. Yeah. But I mean, Getting off that, I mean, let's talk about something a little bit lighter. Getting to interact with special guests is always, is always fun, and I've always made, you know, a ton of good friends by simply, you know, having people come out to our shows and perform. I mean, who's been your favorite guest that you've worked with on, on uh, emo night?
1: Man, oh, favorite guest, dude! I right. sheesh.
0: It's a hard one because we work with a lot of fucking people
1: yeah dude i'm trying to think of people like i've had come through who like i gen- like do i had uh i had craig owens like i mean craig owens was really fucking sick i love talking to him um yeah. we've had um
0: damn both of our shit's going off i'm getting emails you're getting text messages
1: dude yeah i'm like sitting here <laughs> dude i like hounding me right now actually about our next emo night stream he's like are you ignoring me or is like am i on do not serve i'm like no i'm just doing the podcasting right now
0: like hell yeah orlando we're ignoring you right now bitch
1: yeah honestly i should just Just i I, I I
0: love love orlando we hate
1: orlando i hope he hears this we hate you (laughs) orlando
0: (laughs) (laughs) orlando's another another great person that i've met doing this shit too man i've i mean i i knew orlando you know through third string before i did through emo night but yeah you know, i've I've really it's been fun to like make friends with and this is another thing i love about the whole emo night community is there's pockets of there's pockets of people like all over the united states that that do the same thing that we do you know what i mean we've got the northeast crew we've got people down in like atlanta and florida we've got you know obviously the main group out in la we've got you guys you know i mean it's 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 such a it's such an interesting like community to be a part of in the sense that yeah there's so many different people that do the same thing that we do, you know.
1: Yeah, dude. And the thing for me is like, you know, we're doing this. We're doing this. This this is literally like our job. This is our job.
0: Yeah. I have a year of social awareness without a doubt. I mean, while the pandemic was kicking our ass, we were also like in the streets marching like all summer on the behalf of racial justice in this country. And I kind of just want to talk about that briefly. I mean, one thing that I've really appreciated from the Emo Night folks while we're on the Emo Night topic uh, is the ability to use the community we have as a platform to really have important conversations about racism, which has been extremely refreshing. Um, the LA folks have put together some really awesome digital events to lend their platform to being dedicated to having those conversations, and we could probably have an entire episode dedicated to discussing this. But I I, I want to point back to some of those streams that we did this summer. Um, you can find them on the Emo Night Twitch. They're really they're they're archived. They're really good conversations. Go go listen to them. Jay was on one of them. Awesome shit. Um, so let's just have an open discussion about it. Discussion about it here for a minute. I mean, did you participate in? you know, some of the marching last summer and like getting involved in the protests. I mean, did you, inf- yeah. did you feel inspired to write any music during that time? I mean, what oh, yeah. was, what was kind of, I mean, just kind of give me a breakdown of what you, you know, how you got involved in, in everything that was happening Man. last summer.
1: So um, I started actually uh, working third string, um, like started teaming up with this, um, this, this group. And they were throwing rallies. They were called Not My Son. Um, basically, like we just kind of like got together, linked, uh, came up with like a logo and idea and like started like helping them brand and everything. Um, but I would go out to the protests and I went out, I went out to shoot. Like I, I was I had my cameras, you know, every time I went out to shoot. Uh first time I went out, me and my uh girlfriend at the time, we went to go, you know, really just like see everything up close and personal, like. Feel everything and it felt powerful it felt magical it was amazing because it was people who were there screaming for something that we can't normally scream by ourselves in public or at least scream around other people who might not you know have the same views and you know it it is it was great I got all of it on camera and stuff and you know yes I did write a song about you know feeling some type of way about this stuff but i think what really sucks about the whole entire thing is when we were out doing that people were like just on the internet waiting for us to come back home with our posts or whatever so they can like come on them and troll or whatever and be like oh yeah blah 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 like you know like this isn't this isn't right you guys aren't doing anything good or anything like that and it's just like dude it it sucks it sucks having to deal with all of that. And then like in the scene, even to this day, Alternative Press posted like this uh, vinyl that we did or we have a song on with Nova Twins uh, and it's called Voices for the Unheard. And it's for alternative artists who, you know, have yet to be discovered by people. Nova Twins are getting discovered by a lot of people. So they wanted to put us all on. So we, we got a song on there. Alternative Press posted about it. And I literally saw comments where kids were like, I don't think the color of their skin uh, like determines whether they're successful or not. I think it's just really determined on the music. And it's just like, you know, th- like despite all this stuff that kept happening or whatever, like I keep dealing with these backhanded ass comments, these backhanded ass like, you know, like remarks, like people trying to do nice things for, for me, you know? And it feels so backhanded because it's like, dude, you should have seen my power a long time ago. You know, you should have, you should have known what we were capable of doing in this scene or for the culture and everything. Obviously, I don't know a single black person really that's in this alternative scene that gate keeps their sound or gate keeps whatever they're around or whatever. They're they're usually susceptible to every single thing around them because we had to grow up with different things. We had to jump out of like, you know. Rap or hip hop or, you know, r b soul, funk, whatever our households grew up in to actually learn about all this stuff. And then we learned about the injustices and everything and what makes us feel uncomfortable in our spaces and what's going to make us feel comfortable. And we try to raise awareness for that shit. And these kids still don't get it. They literally still don't get it in the industry don't give a fuck until people start actually raising awareness about it and then they make their little small ass post or whatever and it's like bitch you shouldn't even fucking done that in the beginning like alternative press like bro you should have just stayed silent honestly you know like right it sucks because it's like the it's changing it's obviously changing they chose not to give it attention and now we're all on the forefront saying fuck you this is ours now like we're, we're jumping in we're not taking it from you we're just putting our taste in it. we're putting our our sauce whatever else you want you can take it for what it is, but it's undeniable the future is gonna be us y'all them they everyone like right. literally it's 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 it you know it's an open space and it sucks that it has to like you know be progressive from people losing lives. It can't just be hey guys, we're here to speak on this, you know, public service announcement, not even a public service announcement, but we're just here to speak the truth and speak our, our like, you know, concerns and uncomfortableness with, like, the society that we're based around, you know? And some people can't bear that. Like, when I talk about mental shit, mental health and everything online with, like, you know, being a Black musician or, like, being in, like, the scene or, like, having to deal with, like, all the the triumphs and everything of being, like, a vocalist in a band. Whenever people, you know, mistaking me for every other black dude and discredits every single thing I've done for all these fucking years. It's just it never stops.
0: <laughs> right, and it, oh my God, we could, we we really could go all day on this topic. But I mean, on that point, I mean, do you feel like we're making progress in the music scene by writing by writing some of these? you know, systemic problems that we've seen across the music industry for decades now? I mean, do you do you feel that we're making any sort of progress?
1: We're not going to like, we're actually not going to be able to see any progress until the min- music industry is actually back up and running. So <laughs> like, right now, it's like, it's easy. It's easy to, you know, it's easy to just deal. post some shit up, you know, it's easy to yeah. like,
0: it's easy to post some on Facebook, it's easy to like, post something on Twitter, you know, stand in unity, but like, what the fuck are those, what, the, what, are the, what are those record labels actually doing? You know, what are these managers yeah. really doing? You know, are they, are they going to be more inclusive going forward? I guess you're right. Like we're going to have to wait and see like what that landscape looks like when it comes back, but I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. My apologies.
1: No, no, no. You're good, man. Because like, this is something that's been on my mind for a long time. Yeah. I don't have like, I don't have like the confidence to post about shit like this because I don't want anyone to kick me on my ass. So, you know, knock me on my ass and tell me that I'm basically wrong for thinking about things like this looking at it like this man like it's like i've been here i've been here for years like i've got my ass kicked at shows i've fucking been on stage with some of these kids favorite bands i've fucking you know like they've heard my music before they know what i'm capable of but they just choose not to give me that satisfaction which is completely fine but the bigger ups the big heads or whatever you know like people at spotify you know like y'all have a complete entire platform why are y'all not making you know like a Black History Month for like alternative artists or anything like that. You know, like I know Hallie, Allie Hagendorf can do something like that for these people, you know, or for us. You know, it's just like, just put more substance out there, man. It's just so hard to like continue in such a like just tight knit little corner of everything. That's why I don't give a fuck about anything. That's why I make more rap music than I make metal now. And mm-hmm. whenever I come back to making metal, like, I don't even I don't even think twice about it anymore because I'm like, dude, who gives a fuck? These kids just want heaviness. If I do what I do and I've always done whatever it's, it's going to hit. And like these next these two songs that are going to come out, you're going to hear them and be like, wow, these songs are fucking crazy. But I didn't spend three, four months or like a year or two writing these songs like I did every other song up until now, because I know that this shit is absolutely like undoubtedly like mine because i've fucking been here i've been working on it i've made my fucking mark and people know what i'm capable of all i gotta do is just keep providing keep you know producing and stuff like that and then they'll know which is it's fine, dude. It's a process. This scene's going to learn and within the years and everything, hopefully we have this huge resurgence where we can have like seeing kids be cool and raw XD again. Yeah. That's completely fucking cool, but let's do it again this time, but have a little more color in it. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. More race, more cultures and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. It's-, and it's, it's really fucking hard, dude, because a lot of inherently, a lot of the scenes that I work out of in the Midwest are whitewashed completely. And it's, yeah. it's, it's it really, it it took me and I, and this is a, a guilty self, you know, self admittance here, but I mean, it took me until this last summer to realize a lot of these things, you know what I mean? And I, I hate myself for that, you know what I mean? Because it was right in front of me all along. I just didn't put it all together, you know? And when something is so whitewashed like that, it's, it's really hard to figure out where to begin, you know what I mean? And it's, oh, it's, yeah. I don't think it's anything that. I did consciously, but like trying to figure out how to stop that from from future generations just kind of regurgitating the same cycle. That's where my mind is now. Instead of posting some like shitty Twitter post or Facebook post about solidarity, like I've the last couple of months I've like turned to like action. You know what I mean? Like donating like, you know, food shelters or you know, getting involved in like food drives or like doing like those those mutual aid projects that are actually going to help people you know in my immediate community but i think about what i need to do in my own community like in my promoter circle you know in terms of like you know, like you said, like making it more colorful when things come back, you know, like engaging in with black artists and, and making sure that they have the same exact opportunity that every single person in our scene has, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's where my mind is now. And and it's, it's fucking crazy that it took all of this to happen for, you know, for all of this, it's not even a radical change. It should just, it should just happen. You know what I mean? But it's, I, I I guess better now than never, you know, but like we still have Dude. such a long way to go. And and to say that you're an ally is just a start to to, to to actually put it into action, I think, is where is where a lot of people, you know, a lot of promoters like me, Mike Zimmer Orlando, you know, those I mean people like that really need to like step up and like make sure that this shit's fucking happening, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, they definitely have like started tapping into that stuff and you know. Focusing on stuff, which is like cool, because you know, like as much as I want to, like quote unquote, get frustrated with the promoters or anything like that. It's literally not their fault. You know, it's not like promoters are like, you know, like, oh, he's black, I don't want him on the show or anything like that. It's also up to the bands to carry that that you know, like that power, that that drive, and everything to inspire people to do it. Which is why I don't. I don't 100% like like completely shit on the industry and be like, oh, y'all just don't support black artists. It's like, no, like you have to see black artists who are actually out here striving, doing like crazy shit. Like, you know, like how people look at my band. They're like, yeah, this band's doing a lot of fucking crazy shit. They put out music, you know, they're good and everything for it. But then it's like, oh, the industry still does not, you know, like pay any mind to it. Oh, that's that's one of those things. But, like, just like, you know, just local bands. Local bands are always going to be at a small rate and everything. And we're just now starting to get the rise and everything. So I feel like once, like, we release our next records, when we're going to be able to tell whether the industry fucks with us or not. Right. And I think, like, everyone has seen Unity TX come up on a rise. They've seen everything we've done and stuff. They've gotten inspired. They've gotten motivated to do things push harder have new projects put on more content and stuff which is fucking sick you know because that's that's exactly what we need it wasn't like y'all like you know not, not like y'all but like it's just like the industry it wasn't like the industry just needed to like drop everything and only pick up black artists it's just we also needed a kick in our ass because we spent so long feeling like we weren't welcome and everything and just needed somebody to like at least be doing something that motivated us you know yeah. so
0: yeah. No, I, t- I totally get that too. And well, I, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to to seeing what unity is going to do after the pandemic is over. And, you know, I think obviously we all have a lot of work to do when, when this comes back, you know, and making sure that what we all talked about last summer actually comes to life. So I look forward to doing that. And I look forward to, you know, to getting back to fucking business and, you know, actually creating some change, man. I'm hope we can, you know, I mean, I've always looked to hardcore and like alternative culture as like a place where you know real change can happen and like there's so many inspiring people you know there's so many inspiring black people within those spaces that just for whatever reason haven't gotten the fucking chance and i I, i'm really excited to see what this all looks like when we come back and i hope we can uh i hope we can book up some shows because i haven't booked unity yet so (laughs) i'm really uh I'm, I'm, i'm really looking forward to that but um well let's finish on some quick hitters here i usually do this at the end of the podcast some typical questions uh you know pertaining to what we've kind of talked about today but just a little bit farther but um would you rather go to an emo night or a hardcore show
1: so i'd rather go to emo night i go to emo night and i'm like all right cool we got the party we got the drinks we got the baddies uh somebody's gonna be you know out here like you know Getting really wild and stuff. So, I'm going to get a little bit of that entertainment too. You get you know, a little bit of
0: everything when you go to emo night, to be honest. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if
1: you come to my emo night because yeah. I'm like, everybody, I'm moshing on stage. I'm like, if you're not <laughs> moshing like me, you're not having a good time. Next thing you know, the whole entire crowd's moshing.
0: We Wait, play you... ruckus
1: and everyone goes crazy.
0: Oh my god, yes. Holy shit. All right. Well, next the next emo night that I do, I want you to come out and, and literally appear and just do the just do ruckus over <laughs> on the DJ portable.
1: Dude, I, I want emo night to just play ruckus and like just make like just make ruckus just so prominently known in the emo night community. So like they can all just be like, I know this song. <laughs> yeah. Know? Fuck
0: yeah. It's, well, it's gonna
1: be like the rap metal emo song.
0: all right all right how about this favorite metalcore band pre-2010 oh wow come on man you gotta have something
1: dude honestly like i don't think you can consider the metalcore but i want to say it was bring me the horizon dude i'm heavily all right right. i mean but like also like from first to last too
0: dude i would say i was gonna say pre pre pre-2010 my favorite metalcore band was like parkway drive so that's what i'm gonna say
1: Wait, From First to Last wasn't metalcore. I don't know what the hell I'm saying.
0: I mean, they they, they had one album that could kind of toe the line there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, you talking about heroin?
0: Yeah, for sure. That
1: album was incredible. I love that yeah, album, dude. Heroin's
0: a fucking, it's a banger, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy how it didn't get more commercial attention because it was really, it was fucking it, crazy. It was a dude, really it was dark so, album. like after,
1: it's so good. Yeah.
0: Super crazy. Because I remember being like a From First to Last fan when I was in like ninth grade and then like they came out with heroin. I went and bought it and I turned it on for the first time. And I was like, what the fuck? I think I actually kind of like this.
1: (laughs) dude. Honestly, like I'm not going to lie. Like it sounds weird, but like Sonny Moran from first to last, like has like heavy influence on me.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Especially like, you know, like that song peace of mind on our record is very influenced by heroin.
0: Yeah. It's fucking, it's uh, super sonically. It's so dark, dude. It's just like, yeah. It's, it's got such a dark feel behind it, which is crazy because, like, when you look at, like, the album as itself, it's just, like, like, when I bought it, I was, like, huh, this album's, like, all white and shit, <laughs> like, you know, like, dude. the artwork on it is so fucking, like, deceiving on, like, what the album is actually like, it's which is, which is chilling, so, dude. yeah, so weird, but, all right, well, how about this? Uh, favorite rapper? Favorite metalcore band, now favorite rapper?
1: Like, in general? Or yeah, in general, like just, of, like, of in
0: a, ever. Oh, All right. Boy, how about guys. How about this? We'll, we'll narrow it down. F- <laughs> favorite rapper from favorite current rapper and then favorite like legacy rapper, like Kanye West or some shit like that. Like s- something that you've listened to, like for a long ass time.
1: Uh, I want to say like favorite legacy rapper uh, might be between um, like <laughs> oh fuck dude i mean ice cube and i mean dude i fuck with ice Cube. It, it's it's like honestly like it's so weird to say but like ice cube and uh tupac are like two two like pretty big influences on me like when it comes to like my sonic levelness of rapping with unity and stuff yeah but um yeah there's that and then like i guess like current ish like rapper um, um man i really i really want to say i really fuck with young boy nba young boy real heavy but yeah. um there's like a lot of fucking people out there that's real good man i might i mean i could fuck with young boy almost everything a young boy is but i, I could really fuck with it so I might just say and be a young boy. <laughs> right,
0: there you go. There you go. What? What's what? So, I mean, on that, what do you? Anything new that you're listening to these days? Or are you just kind of like we had George Schmitz on on the podcast last week, and I asked him the same question. He's like, you know, I haven't really been listening to anything new. I've just been like going back and like taking like yeah. a real steady approach to like my favorite records. Um,
1: I feel that. Um, I just really have been back and forth with everything that listen to. I actually like listening to a lot of female artists. So I listen to like a lot of like Halsey or like Ellie Golding or like Julia Michaels, you know, just like just random shit in that little corner crevice. But like also, you know, like Rico and stuff like that. Um I'm just kind of like everywhere, man. Like I'll listen to old shit too, but my my my, my fucking brain's like a fucking iPad or iPod. Like, I'm going insane right now just thinking about it because I'm malfunctioning. Thinking you're, about how yeah, many songs Yeah, you're scrolling through, database. like, all
0: your fucking... Dude, I, man, I, I actually found... It's funny you mentioned iPods because I found, like, my original, like, video iPod the other day. It's, like, as big as my fucking hand, dude. Those things were huge.
1: Yeah, the little white one with the little <laughs> yeah. silver back or whatever. Yeah. Dude, I was always scared that I was going to break those.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that mine didn't have any shatters in it at all. Like it was pristine. I think I could probably sell it online for some.
1: For Don't some. sell it, dude. No, fuck. I've Just got, take I've photos got, with it.
0: I've got way too much fucking music on to
1: Throw it away. Remember the iPod Shuffle with no oh. screen?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, those little. It looks like it looks like the current like Apple. Yeah, that looks like the current Apple TV remote. That's exactly dude, what? <laughs> like,
1: like what if?
0: So crazy. And then they came out with like that. The iPod Nanos that had like a screen, the iPod Video Nanos. Dude, remember the little or,
1: fat iPod Nanos that had like the little yeah, yeah.
0: dude. Then the, they had the little clip things, or was that the sh- that was like the first version of the Shuffle that was like a little clip that like yeah, like, I think I remember that. It held like a hundred songs or something, or like yeah, like a, like a gig or some shit, man. Mid two thousands, mid two thousands were a hell of a fucking time for weird technology, right? It's dude so okay right
1: dude, it's so insane that's why i'm like dude fuck all of y'all new kids what do y'all know what do y'all know y'all got tiktok dude we had ipod fucking nanos we had like juice box we had fucking myspace before myspace was 30 different websites trying to fucking emulate the one myspace you dude, know I, like,
0: I i thought about it the other day too the evolution of like cell phones too because when i was in when I was in high school, I have, I've had like three phones my entire life. I had like a flip phone when I got my first phone in high school. And then I got like the, the Verizon envy. It was like an LG like keyboard. Like I was super onto that. And then I got an iPhone. I've had an iPhone ever since.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sometime in like 2009 or 2010, I got an iPhone and it's just uh, 10 years, yeah 10 years past. And I still have the same thing.
1: I probably have like, 12 iphones in my room right now like dude,
0: and all all of mine are shattered when i when i shattered yeah. mine which i just did like this week i i know i know it's time oh, to God. get a new one like clockwork dude. man it's like fucking clockwork the software yeah. either goes out or you shatter the bitch and you have to go get a new fucking dude i broke a thousand
1: dollars i broke my phone in august and like i was trying to get it repaired in august and they were like that's when the pandemic was still actually still you know like pretty on fire so like i couldn't just pull up to the apple uh, the apple store so they were like oh well we can't really do anything right now we have to like wait and then i called them back a couple months later and they were like you're out of your warranty and i was like bitch i'm still paying for the warranty on this phone you better replace my shit (laughs) and like she was like we can't do anything about it i'm like you can't do anything about this shit we're in a pandemic and i tried to go months ago and y'all told me that y'all were closed because of the pandemic so you're gonna make it seem like it's my fault
0: dude the and- amount the amount i'm i we'll talk about this last and we'll sign off here but the amount of bad customer service that i have de- that i have dealt God. with during the pandemic specifically what? has been mind-blowing i have three instances my gym that i quit back in like fucking july ended up billing me for like six months i was like bro i haven't been here since the beginning of the pandemic why are you sending me Same. a bill for this? She's like, what's wrong with you people they're like well you owe two hundred dollars i'm like i'm not fucking paying it so you can send me collections and i was like look lady like i'm not about to do this with you guys and she wrote it off so i got one of them knocked off the cable company that i fucking moved out of my house with the other day tried to tell me that i didn't turn in any of my equipment i was like what like what do you think i'm stealing a tv box like what the fuck is wrong with you people i just i don't that's a whole different fucking tangent for another day but i am over the customer service issues during the pandemic they all can suck my balls i'm fucking out
1: dude both of them honestly like i hate dude even just from like the beginning whenever we were like already like in the pandemic at the very beginning when we're in europe like the customer service was ass, and it's like now i'm trying to get unemployment because like i just had a job for the past six months and i hated my life because they were paying me 10 bucks an hour to you know work with a bunch of teenagers that just didn't do anything but just talk crap about me and i was like dang that literally sucks i kind of just want to quit my job and just go back to getting unemployment but i can't get unemployment and i try to call the customer service line because they're like yeah, you should, you should call the customer service line. We'll assist you there. And their service line says, due to high call volumes, we're unable to help you with any of your inquiries. So go online. I go online, the same thing. Dude, I... Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> dude. Dude, I'm about over it. I, I had the same experience with the IRS the other day because they sent my fucking stimmy to my old address in Omaha. I don't fucking live there anymore and it hasn't, I don't have it. I still don't have it. It's almost mid February and I don't have my STEMI yet. So oh, just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. uh, (laughs) $600 isn't going to help me out that much at this point.
1: (laughs) Bro, honestly, like my STEMI literally helped out my last month of rent and the place that I was living in because like I was, I was having a really bad time trying to pay the rent. And everything because of my job, not paying me enough. Yeah. And then finally my STEMI hit and I paid the last month of rent and I was like, well, that was painful, but I'm done with this apartment.
0: Yeah, dude, if I have to spend another hour on the phone with the IRS, I may or may not just give up. Like, I, at this point, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's. I've, I've sucked so much time into it. So <laughs> I
1: feel like I've already given up my dog. <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: But, well, Jay, dude, thanks for coming on the show today, man. I think uh, we had a really good conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, yes, sir. It's, it's fucking. It's good. It's really good to catch up with mm-hmm. you, man. When the. When the pandemic is over, I say this at the end of every fucking interview that we do. I can't wait to fucking get out and see you guys. I'm going to come down for some emo nights. We'll hang out, smoke some weed or some shit. It'll be fun.
1: Yeah, that part. That part, especially. That
0: that part, (laughs) indeed.
1: We need a huge, like 30 gram freaking blunt joint, just like a huge, like, we need that post-pandemic. I don't even care if I get COVID from it. <laughs> I just, you know, like, <laughs> like I just want to be with the boys one time, real quick, and just, just say fuck it for once.
0: Do we'll go back. We'll, we'll go back to California and get that place I had in the hills that one time that oh, we all, all linked up. We'll go smoke I with the view. It'd be great. My
1: brains out, dude. That place well. was so fucking sick. <sighs>
0: Well, until next time, Jay, thanks for joining us. We will talk to you soon. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. And that's our show. If you like what you heard on this episode and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe to our pages. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as Spotify. You can also find us on social media, too, at Pod on Twitter. And just simply search our name on Facebook or Instagram, the Where We Left Off Podcast. See you next time.